Welcome back to our last message in our series, Confusing Things Christians Say. And if you haven't seen any of our messages yet, uh, I would encourage you to check them out online. There's a lot of things that we Christian people might say, shorthand phrases that we lean on, which could help, maybe not. Maybe they're confusing or things that we hear in the world that maybe don't make sense at face value. So I love that today we're really not only addressing this idea, confusing things someone might say, a Christian might say, like, I'm spirit moved, or God has been talking to me, God called me. Not only will that message that we've got prepared today bring some clarity, this message today is a good concluding message because this point from this message today, how God speaks to us, where he does, actually clears up all confusion that's out there. So before we jump into this message inspired by 2 Timothy 3, let's begin with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Set us apart, speak to us clearly, remove all confusion that we might know that we are yours and that you've called us to great things. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. There's a little boy who was pretty excited. It was an autumn day. It's blustery outside, cloudy, but great weather to go fly a kite. I don't know, anybody flow kite or fly kites back in the, the day or anybody do that? I did growing up. I think there's even a flight or kite festival today around two rivers. So I, I think that, uh, that was such a joy just to have this weird kite and then to see it fly forever up in the sky. So maybe something to renew if you haven't uh, ever held a kite before for our children here. But anyway, this little boy was out flying a kite and he was so excited. He wanted to see this kite fly into the heavens as far as the line would let it. See if it would even disappear uh, above the heavens, above the clouds at least. And So that was his aim. And there were some other kids with their kites too on the playground, on the field. This old man came along and pretty embittered about life. I suppose he didn't fare too well with the storms of life. So he comes up right to this boy. He was just enjoying kite day. And he begins to chide him. He says, what a waste of time this is. Why are you even out here? And don't you know that that line, it leads to nowhere and to no one. (laughs) So this old man went really deep with his little boy. He was confused, didn't pick up on the metaphor, I guess. The old man's talking about God. So as the man shuffled along, the little boy kept holding on to that string, and he began to wonder and doubt. He's like, is there really something on the other end of the line? I can't see a thing, just see this string. And he looked up and down and up and down, and then the wind picked up a little bit. That's where the little boy began to smile, and with wide eyes, he was, he was happy again. And he turned to the old man, he said, Sir, I, I think you're mistaken. You see, every now and again, I feel a tug. Oh, there's very much something up there. Here, give it a try. <laughs> the old man wouldn't have anything to do with it, but... I, I love the answer to that response, that objection that the little boy gave, even though he didn't know the conversation had turned to God. There's a tug. I feel it. I I know that there's something up there. (laughs) Here, see for yourself. 
Do you feel that tug, if you will? And it's so foreign to us to speak in terms like this. Uh, we who are a Christian people who often don't make much of feelings surely know that feelings come and go. They're not trustworthy. But for today's sake, for our message, do you feel the spirit move you? Do you feel the tug? Do you know that God is calling to you? Do you sense that? That's the question that we're really wrestling with today. If you're, you're taking notes, maybe jot in a few thoughts. Is God really tugging on the end of the line? We Christian people, we do hint at that, whether overtly or just subtly. There are some Christians out there in some Christian traditions, some denominations, that speak very clearly that they believe God is tugging on the end of that line. And they'll say things as boldly as, God put it on my heart to tell you this. God spoke to me the other day, and I wanted to share this with you. You ever heard Christians maybe speak that way? We, maybe, we don't adopt that kind of phraseology, the Spirit moved me today. God was calling to me today. But we do know that, at least we believe, that God speaks. And and that's one of the truths we're working with. And it is a truth, and it is reliable, and we'll get to that in a moment. But please note that God does speak. But still, we kind of wonder... What's he really saying in any particular situation? Is he really speaking to me? And and some Christians maybe even speak in terms like they got it all figured out. God is talking to them. He's put thoughts on their heart. And maybe you walk away feeling, I wish I were like that. I wish I had that feeling. I wish I were so certain. And maybe we feel like less of a Christian. But we do, even in our circles, We suggest God is talking to us. We might say it this way. I wonder what God's will is in this particular area of my life. We might talk to Christian friends, do life together, try to figure that out. That suggests that God is talking. He's up to something. He's letting us know his will and some promises. In church, you hear it. Whenever a called worker, a pastor, a teacher, a staff minister gets a call to serve in another church, uh, we, we say, I received a divine call and love your thoughts. Please keep me in your prayers so that I might know where the Lord would lead me. I, I just shared earlier today that by command of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his authority, your sins are forgiven you. That's all God talk. But do you always believe it? Or have you gotten so beaten up in this life, sometimes you feel like that old man. I don't think there's anything on the other side of that line. Maybe we're wasting our time. Maybe it would be better off we just realize it and move on with the existence we have. So hopeless. I want to share with you from the scripture that God does indeed speak. I know you know that. But I really want to do a thorough job with you. We'll study the scriptures together to find out where he speaks to us, and if he speaks anywhere else, and what exactly he is saying to you and me. And I praise God at the end of our message here, there will be so many words of encouragement for you. 
for me, so that you never have to be that man shuffling down that walkway in a park, despairing of life itself. For God does speak. And here's the first proof. I'll read to you from Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 2. We'll revisit that beautiful promise that we spoke of earlier when our sins were forgiven. The writer of the Hebrews says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, whether Isaiah or Elijah that we read about today. But in these last days, finally, definitively, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The writer of the Hebrews, at the end of the revelation of the Bible, he declares with all certainty, God has spoken, God has called, and he has called to you and to me and, and all the world, really. And do you know where, where we find his voice? It's in a person. And his beautiful name is Jesus. That is where God definitively speaks. Jesus is the revelation of God, God in flesh and blood. Praise God. Because it is so encouraging and comforting to know that God has come into this life. He's broken the silence that was caused by our sin. And he speaks beautiful words of salvation, redemption, of hope, of identity, of purpose. But maybe there's some doubt. Like, What does it mean that God has spoken and through this person, Jesus, how does that apply to me today? What words of encouragement, what clarity comes in all the confusion I experience in knowing that? Well, let's get real practical and apply it. How many of you have ever wondered if God really cares about you? Ever had a doubt like that? I have. I've wondered if God's really there for me. I, I, I mean, is this just a myth? Am, am I crazy for believing this? Or maybe some terrible thing has happened to me in life. I've, I've experienced loss. I'm grieving. God, where are you? In moments like that, God speaks and God says to you, see Jesus. He is the word of God. My revelation to you. And John says that in the beginning of his gospel, John chapter 1, he says... He is the word made flesh, the word of God. See Jesus in the manger, flesh and blood, concrete. This is history, not mythology. He really lived 2,000 years ago. By the way, did great things so much that he split time in half. We mark everything by him as far as time. But see him in a manger. If you wonder if God cares Hear the, the baby voice of Jesus crying out in the darkness. Oh, God cares. He is here for you. And if you wonder if God has wisdom for your life, from the big things to the little things, look to Jesus' teaching. He's the Son of God. He's been in the heavens. He's seen the presence and face of the Father. Now he comes down and he teaches us. And he, he says things like this, don't worry. Trust me, don't worry 
about tomorrow or whatever. Today's got enough trouble of its own. And in that same sermon, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. Trust me. Trust me. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you'll wear. The, the non-believers, the ones who don't hear the voice of God, they run after all those things. But you, you should know your father knows you need those things. He will provide for you. And so pray. See Jesus, the revelation of God. And if you wonder, is God's love strong enough for you, for me, when we blow it, when we run the other way, when we listen to everything else but God, and we get so confused and so broken in life? See God's love, it's so strong. See it in flesh and blood at the cross. Whereas we learned last week, Jesus, yes, hates sin, but loves sinners. So much that he becomes the embodiment of our sin and dies for it all so that you and I might hear the voice of God. You're forgiven. You're my children. Case closed. And if you wonder if God's love is strong enough to really do battle with all the challenges we face in this life, even death, just look three days later after Jesus was on the cross, after he suffered hell for us, made that payment, he rose from the dead. And if God can conquer death, he can and he will conquer all the struggles you face. In due time, he will prevail. And you with him. See how God speaks definitively in Jesus. There is no doubt, even if we doubt. And he gives us a spirit so that we might be moved by his true calling that we might hear God call to us and live accordingly in grace and love and truth. But still there's doubts. And I know we have it because sometimes we, we don't know where to look for Jesus' voice, for God's voice, and so we look here or there or everywhere, or we look inside, and we look in all the wrong places. So I think it's worthy as far as our discussion to talk about where God isn't speaking, just in case we get a little confused. Here's one truth. God doesn't speak clearly in nature. I say that because I've heard that as a pastor, sometimes in meeting with people, good intentioned people, wonderful Christian people, sometimes people that just are seeking God out and they don't know it yet. But I ask, what do you think about God? How do you connect with him? And a lot of people will say, oh, I feel closest to God when I'm, out in nature. And I get why we say, I mean, you look outside today, what a beautiful world. God is, is so much into variety and so much into colors and um, plenty. And there's so much to enjoy in life. I could see why we would say, I feel so close to God when I'm outdoors. When I'm up on a mountaintop and it's a starry night and the heavens are wide open and the stars dot the sky. Well, it feels like God is here. And you know what? God is there. I mean, the heavens, Psalm 19, verse 1 says, declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. If we're honest and we look out in creation, we see God's fingerprints everywhere because it's such an amazing creation. Of course, we're going to feel the sense of closeness with God when we're in his handiwork. 
But here's the interesting thing, and you can just play it out this way. What is God really saying to you and me through nature? I remember what a seminary professor said to me, and this kind of like rubbed me the wrong way at first, but I was so appreciative of really thinking on this. My professor said, just so you know, though nature says so much about God, God is saying nothing to you in nature. Whoa, that sounded weird. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, the heavens declare the glory of God. Everything that we see does, but God is not there in nature for you, for me. He is not declaring anything about his will to you or to me or any about his promises out there. And that's good. Why? Because God knows it'll get real confusing if you think nature is God's voice to you. For example, today, beautiful sunny day. What happens though when horrific things happen on beautiful sunny days? What should we think that God is saying to us? You ever thought about that? Like on a beautiful sunny day when school just resumes and there's a mass shooting? Should we assume that since God kept the sun shining and kept the laws of physics in place that God was complicit in the destruction of life? Or should we assume that when a storm comes through, rips through a town, and destroys everything and even lives, that those people must have been wicked? God must have been pronouncing judgment on them. How about if you're feeling sick one day, and you find out it's worst-case scenario, or maybe you're poor and you can't pay the bills, should we assume that God is no longer favoring you? Oh, but God is with the rich and powerful and the healthy? You see, nature is such a fickle thing, isn't it? And if we would think that God is speaking through nature to us about his will and promises, well, it's a sad thing. Because the last thing we'll experience in nature is our death. What is God saying by that? Praise God. He is not speaking to us in nature, although nature speaks so much about God. God doesn't want you to be confused. God doesn't want you to be in doubt and worry. And if you look to nature, and if you commune with God there, oh, you will be. And so will I. So remember, God speaks through Jesus. And Jesus isn't into speaking to you through nature. Well, where else then? Can we find the voice of Jesus? This is where it gets a little tricky, but another truth that we want to use to qualify that God does speak Neither does he speak clearly in our consciences or feelings. And you can go ahead and list all those passages here. I'm not going to read through some of those passages, but Romans 2, 14, 1 Corinthians 8 talks about consciences. You know what a conscience is, right? It's kind of the voice of God, it sounds like, that God wired us with in our our hearts. Uh, The conscience is kind of that good angel on your shoulder that tells you, hey, this is good, do that. You feel great. Don't do that. And that little devil's on your other shoulder. That's a sinful nature. And when we do it, we feel terrible. The Bible says that that is a gift from God. And that we should listen to our, our consciences as God's representative. But we should let God's word decide if our conscience is correct or in error. And it can be. 
Very often it can be. The conscience says we can kill so that we can actually praise what is evil, feel good about it, or get overly sensitive that what is good, what is free, well, now we start judging others by and we think is bad. A conscience, you know what a conscience is? It's kind of like a recorded voice of God, but it's been tampered with. Uh, which reminds me of some of the latest, greatest technology advances we've made with AI. Uh, we, we have someone on staff who actually uses AI sometimes, writes poetry to us and guiding us how to use technology better. <laughs> so I love those very, I'm not going to, John, that's, he's over here. That's where he does that. <laughs> but it's really cool, like, what you can do about AI. You just put in a question, hey, can you write me this, 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 whatever, and it spits out a whole essay or whatever. Kids don't use that in school. But there's also software that can manipulate voices. Have you heard that? Uh, I did this. I, I, I looked up a Johnny Cash rendition of Psalm 23. And it sounded just like Johnny Cash, although he never sang that song. It was pretty cool. My kids have looked up Plankton from Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants. His voice and popular songs. There's a whole list on Spotify where you can hear Plankton, the villain, sing all these love songs. <laughs> The conscience is God's recorded voice, but somebody's tampered with it in parts. It's not reliable. And we listen to it, but then we always want to measure it to God's true voice. We don't want to hear a plankton rendition of what God is saying. And sometimes we can. And maybe by extension, we could say feelings are the same way. Jeremiah 17.9, Proverbs 3.5. Jeremiah says, nothing is sicker than the human heart. Proverbs 3, 5 is, um, trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not on your own understanding, but commit your way to him and he'll guide your paths. That picks up on our feelings. And I, I don't know if there's a better message to proclaim today. Do not trust your heart. Please remove from your vocabulary this idea. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. That is not God speaking. That's somebody who's messed with the message and why is that? Because so many people get confused by what their heart tells them. It leads them astray, not to the voice of God, which is why you find people doing things that they regret later. So if we're taking notes here, understand this. God tugs on your heart through Scripture alone, through the Word alone, through the Word of alone, this written Word and just, just as God has said, I've given you my son, it's the word of God incarnate in flesh and blood. Now the word of God, all that he is, all that he was about, all his teaching, all his will, all his promises, he by work of the spirit has put in written form. And just as we by faith believe that God, the son, is perfect in every way, although humble and frail and humiliated, so too we believe this humble written word is perfect in every way, even if I can't understand it. But I trust that God will lead me into hearing his voice there and there alone. That's so critical because life is so confusing that we would understand that God is speaking and he speaks to, to rid us of whatever confusion is robbing us of life. So I got a lot of passages. I'm not going to read them all, but that's just for you to note. If you want to know if God is really speaking and where he speaks in Christ Jesus, his son, the word, 
It's in the written word. We're safe when we speak to the written word as God's communication to us. And nowhere else. You see, Elijah and the gentle whisper he was looking for, by God's design in these last days, that is all written down in the word, Holy Scripture. That is God's still small voice. Jesus, when he says, they will know my voice, he was speaking prophetically as to the written word and its fulfillment, the Old and New Testament. That's the shepherd's voice. It's nowhere else. John 17, Acts 2, Jesus by promise before he died and then 40 and then 50 days later would proclaim the Spirit's coming who would remind us of everything he taught. Written in the word. It is the sole authority by which Christ governs all things in the heavens above. Luke 24, after Jesus came back from the dead, guess what he turned to to prove that he lives and that this was all part of God's plan, his will and promises. He didn't look to nature and did more miracles. He didn't say, just trust me. Do you feel a burning in the bosom? (laughs) Does your heart tell you that this is true, huh? No, he said, is this not in fulfillment of the scriptures? Even Jesus looks to the written word to prove he is from God and for you. 1 John 4, Jesus, his greatest disciple, if you will, or closest, says, test every spirit that talks to you because it's confusing and test it, what, by the word. The Berean Christians, Acts 17, they were commended as amazing Christian people. Why? Because they went to the word, even when the apostle Paul was talking. It's all about the word. Finally, 1 Corinthians 2, I kind of skipped over that. That's a summary by Paul saying that really the scripture is the mind of Christ. You want to know what God's thoughts are? Go to the word. 2 Timothy 3 says it this way. Paul says, from infancy, from a little baby, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Look what they can do. It's the voice of God, which is able to make you wise for salvation, so it gets you to heaven through faith in Christ Jesus, the Word incarnate. Now, all Scripture, it's the Bible, no other religious works from any other religious faiths, Old and New Testament alone, is God-breathed. That means God spoke, and he claimed every word that's written by, by the Spirit, it's without error. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's every possible situation. Praise God. He speaks in Christ through the Scripture alone. And when we trust that, When we apply ourselves to that, all confusion dissipates. And God is adamant. This is the only place he meets with us, and that's for your security and mine. Don't look from anywhere else, although there's evidence all around. So much so that we could summarize this truth this way. God tugs nowhere else for you than in his holy word. Isaiah 8.20 Again, Isaiah says, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning, the written word. And if anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Don't even bother with them. Don't even listen to them. How good is our God that he speaks so definitively? 
so clearly that you really never in your life have to doubt or worry, even though we often doubt and worry. Friends, God has spoken to you. He speaks in Jesus to you because he loves you. And just as he has given us salvation by grace, so there's no doubt, so too he has preserved the way that you know that. No doubt. I pray then as we continue to apply ourselves, dedicate ourselves to the scriptures that we see very soon, if not already, there is no reason to be confused. God can make it all clear. He already has in Jesus, whether you're worried about where to live, what job to have, who you should spend the rest of your life with, or if you should be single, or whatever else you pursue, it is all here. And I love God that he removes then all confusion. May he do so in your life and in mine. All to the praise of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we give you thanks that, that you have blessed us with certainty, with clarity of communication. You speak and it's Jesus and it's in your holy word where we find him. For these scriptures were written that we may believe that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. Lord, help us be convinced of this even as we hear all these other voices in life pull us in one direction or the other. Lord, help us to see that you always tug our hearts in Christ alone, by the word alone. Amen.